Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 39 of the Coles WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. I am the twisted genius, Dean A.S., joined as ever by sports journalist Liam Happ. Good evening to you, Liam. Good evening, Dean, and uh, happy anniversary. We are now two years old. Well, two years and a little bit. We have just passed the two-year mark, and as we've touched upon in, in recent weeks, the, the second year was a bit of a naff one with technical issues and other frustrations, but we got to do some pretty cool things in that second year. We started off the Nitro watch-alongs, and here we are for another one. Indeed, yeah, and uh, you know, we've, we've established the tradition of Quackmas, I think, as well, so, you know. Love Quackmas. That's going well. Yeah. There'll be another one in 2020, I'm sure. I hope so. It'll uh, be worth the wait. Yeah. Indeed, yes. And um, I, I believe you, uh, you've you've got a taste for blood now. You've you've gone to another live wrestling show in London town this weekend. I did indeed, and not only that, but I well, I kind of made the crossover. Although very much still a sports journalist, I, I you could officially brand me as a as a wrestling dirt sheet writer know nothing critic needs to shut the hell up asshole because i have now made my debut for the very prestigious website that i've always been a bit of a fan of is uh, the indie corner so i wrote up progress wrestling that was uh on sunday at ali pali and yeah my my reaction to that show was very mixed but i will say i was very glad to have a live progress experience because you know, especially at Ali Pali, they've got a little area at the back outside with food trucks and craft beer. Okay. Uh, and it does, well, considering they still insist on doing like five hour shows, it's a great thing to have. I can only imagine how tough it must have been at Wembley Arena with their bog standard NAF uh, homogenized concession stands <laughs> getting through oh, a five hour to... show. Yeah, the, I don't know if it was five hours that well, I don't think it was, but the key to that was stuffing yourself stupid with decent food before you went inside. But um, yes, I've I've not been. I mean, I I went to some of the early progress shows at the garage in Islington, and I think I, I went to um I've been to a few of the uh, Camden ones, and yeah, I went to Wembley, but I've I've not been to um to the Alley Pally. My my experience with the Ali Pali is actually I've got, I've got very fond memories of that place from um, back in my days as a student journalist or student radio presenter for um, for a couple of like student radio awards that were there, yeah. which I I think I'm right in saying you know our uh, our former guest John Lister might have been at one of them as well, but um it it, it strikes me as a fantastic venue for wrestling. Um yeah, you good you should have a good view pretty much anywhere, wouldn't you? Yes, it's it's very cosy, very intimate in a good way. It was also very hot in a negative way. But no, I, I did enjoy the setup. Uh, go check out my report on the Indie Corner. 
uh, you'll see what I liked and what I didn't like. There, were, there, were, there was plenty to sink your teeth into. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's obviously an interesting time for them for, for obvious reasons. And yeah, I think Crossroads would be an understatement. Mm. Well, I, I wonder, I, I do just wonder how much longer will there be a separate progress promotion and or you know will it will it at some point in in the next 12 months or so be be swallowed up into NXT UK because you know the, the people that run progress are also heavily involved in the day-to-day running of that promotion as well so are they going to want the stress of having two separate promotions yeah i think it's 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 got to be a flat choice surely of either indeed succumbing to the merger and, and, and just going all the way with it, or do they manage to drop down their their significance somewhat and and rely on you know there there was some really promising talent. The one who stood out the most, I think, was uh, Cara Noir, who's obviously generating a lot of buzz. Uh, that was helped now, by he the is fact fantastic. that yeah, he was helped by the fact that you know there's a lot of good talent on the show, a lot of good talent in the Rumble match they had for the first uh, Proteus Championship winner. Uh, but Coronar was the mystery opponent of Pete Dunne. So that's a high-profile thing. And there, there was pros and cons to that, as you'll find out if you read my report. But but guys like that, my point being, is they are the sort of people that could get progress back to what they used to be, I think. And they'd have to decide either they're just going to become one and the same with NXT UK, you know, plenty of aspects of it, uh, Jim Smallman included, are pretty much NXT UK now. Or you you find that little smaller subdivision, that grittier thing, more for the up and comers, uh, and you, and and you take the downscale. But you you rediscover in the process. You've got a chance of rediscovering what made progress so good in the first place. But they yeah. can't have their cake and eat it. They're trying to be punk rock and corporate sellouts at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't work. As you say, it's one or the other. Going back to Cara Noir, one thing, I mean, the the character as such is about two to three years old, but the wrestler behind it, Tom Dawkins, he's been around for for quite some time. He was a regular, um, quite a, a well-pushed regular in, in IPW back a few years ago. And I, I actually remember talking to him because um, he was someone who was a really solid, reliable hand in the ring. He was, you know, like some, like we've, we've seen some of the guys we've talked about on, on this pay-per-view where, you know, their, their selling's great. Their offense is great. They can adapt to any opponent, but they just didn't quite have that spark with the, with the audience. Um, and I, I remember saying to him, you know, everything is great, but the, just there's that, the, the character isn't quite there and he's you know he said he was working on something and the difference between tom dawkins and Cara noir is night and day chalk and cheese absolutely totally different person but that that was that the the you know the the x factor that he was missing as tom dawkins he's got in abundance as Cara noir and I can honestly say with my hand on my heart, I've commentated on countless matches of his. I've never seen him have a bad match. The the guy is, to me, a sleeping giant of British wrestling. Yeah, and that 
definitely didn't happen at Progress either. That, w that was a very good match, I thought. My biggest gripe with that match was that for everything we've been saying here, I mean, this this was a chance to show, you know, obviously there's a sizable percentage of the audience who's who's well-versed. I think I, I said there you could pretty much divide that Ali Pali crowd into three categories. There were guys who are very familiar with Cara Noir. There were people like me who hadn't actually seen uh, the Cara character live, but had heard plenty of the buzz. And there were definitely, yeah. I know firsthand, there were a few people who just didn't have a clue who it was. And yet, he was getting a real, with his entrance in the early stages, he was drawing a reaction from all of them, and that was really promising. Uh, I thought there should have been more in the match for him to showcase that and introduce himself to those newer people. Uh, it ended up being more of a, a Pete Dunn exhibition, which you don't really need in progress. But mm. I don't, I don't know the exact mandates of of the WWE contracts you'd imagine there's a thing that makes sure that their guys don't lose to unsigned guys you can only speculate but the way that match was structured it makes you wonder if there was more to it than that like they literally have to have the match built around them and progress at this stage they need the matches to be built around the car and noirs yeah i mean this is the thing that and this is another subject for another day but the way british wrestling is is going at the moment that you know independent companies whether you count progress as independent or not but you know people like your ipws and and your rev pros and the cell we're well, not even not so much rev pros because of the new japan link but mm. the top line british independents they are going to have to just become like a league one league two football club they're going to have to draw on seeing the future stars today they're going to have to be the breeding ground for the next lot of contracted stars if the you know assuming wwe or nxt uk continued which you know it sounds like it will because it's been a, a success so far it's not a good comparison to make to football though i'll say firsthand because uh when people tout league one and championship clubs as being the the stepping stone for the big clubs that really irks people because a lot a lot of those clubs are you know, at one point they were the, the Premier League sides competing in Europe. And you don't want to put yourself with that ceiling. But yeah, obviously there, there's situations in wrestling where Rev Pro are entirely happy being in that position with New Japan. But at the, at the end of the day, they are all trying to operate. So you have to, you have to consider them independent companies because they are trying to sell tickets as an independent company. Progress are still trying to put themselves over as being that, that punk rock strong style underground intimate place. Uh, and as I said, it's, it's hard to allow the WWE deal to control so much of their situation like they seem to on Sunday and yet still sell yourselves as underground. It's the hypocrisy that annoys people and drives people away. If you go one way or the other, at least you're being you. you know, Rev, Rev Pro, as long as they don't advocate the beating up of referees, Rev Pro will do well if they just go, yeah, we're, we're going to give you an outlet to, to get the New Japan stars in and we're very much going well, to be their bitches. But it works because they're they they're upfront about it. So that's that's the way it is to me. Yeah, is yeah have have uh, progress a bit like ECW back in the day. Have progress become too big to be 
the punk the punk rock independent guys and it's it's an interesting debate but anyway we are we are veering away from our subject matter which is a wcw monday nitro watch along so if you are wanting to join in with us we are listening we're listening we're watching to episode uh number 13 which was originally broadcast on november the 22nd 1995 um so what did we see last last week we saw the the hulk hogan the first ever hulk hogan sting match which obviously ended in a big schmoz dq because we're not going to have a clean finish there with uh the dungeon of doom trying to beat everyone up didn't we Yes, and that was leading us into the pay-per-view, World War Three, which happened yes, between is. those two episodes. So as we go into this, we have had World War, the first ever World War Three pay-per-view. That means we now realise just how stupid an idea the free ring battle world was. But oh Jesus, yes, you couldn't see what was going on until it got to the very end of it really wasn't it no but for the previous watch alongs we were putting our benefit of hindsight to one side and we were giving them the benefit of the doubt they were really hyping up as something new something different it it seemed to come across as good promotion i don't think it had that much of a an effect on the needle to be honest but it did give us a, a world champion after it was vacated at, at halloween havoc and that man is randy savage as we'll find out on this show Indeed, yes, he uh, he won the battle royal, last eliminating. This is what I love: last eliminating one man gang. That's right, the one man gang was one person away, one elimination away from becoming the WCW World Champion. Hey, hey, Santina Morello was the runner-up one rumble. <laughs> this is true, but looking at a list of some of the other people that were in there, I mean, yeah, you know, when you've got sixty men, you've got to fill it out a bit because we had Scott Armstrong, Steve Armstrong. Who the hell is Big Train Bart? Oh, that was Black Bart as well, as known as um, Cobra. Jeff. Oh, that was Jeff Farmer, the NWO Sting. Um, we had um, Joey Mags. Joey Mags made it to pay per view. Max Jumping Joey. Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, Mark Starr, Ricky Santana. I mean, they're like Fidel Sierra. They are literally WCW worldwide jobbers. Pez Watley, Mike Winner. James Elroy. I'm glad James Elroy was there because I wouldn't want one half of the State Patrol getting in without the uh, the other. We also had the Super Assassin 1 and 2, which was Warlord and Barbarian under masks. And of course, Liam, we had making his glorious return to pay-per-view, the Yeti. Oh, God. But it would have been one step too far to have Lanny Poffo participate in a WCW ring. I'm not with you there. Well, he signed a big contract as a favour to the Macho Man, and he, uh, to my memory, he never actually wrestled, or maybe he wrestled never, once. He, I don't think he ever. No, he never wrestled for. Uh, so it would have been too I, much of a stretch for them to actually use him. I, I had no idea. I genuinely had no idea about that's, that. That's one of the greatest things about WCW history. Let me um let me just check that um, World Championship Wrestling ninety five to ninety nine, Puffo signed a WCW contract in nineteen ninety five but never appeared for the promotion. Yep. No. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Even in this match. Even in this match, he explained he was contacted contacted by his brother Randy Savage who was wrestling in WCW at the time with the guarantee of a contract. 
Savage, who had purchased the gorgeous George gimmick, offered the character to Poffo, feeling that his brother would generate heat as a heel. Poffo signed the contract with WCW, began an intense training regime, bleached his hair blonde in preparation for his return to the ring. However, as he recalled, simply being under contract for five years and receiving regular paychecks, he was never contacted with any bookings. His own repeated calls to the office went unreturned, and he was simply never used by WCW. Yeah, Ultimately, like, Savage gave the gorgeous George Monica to his then girlfriend and valet Stephanie Bellas. Because Why did that course. happen, Liam? Well, I've already used because of course, but we might as well go titular because Dean WCW. That's why. Indeed. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. Let's crack on with the uh, the episode in question. So we are paused and ready on zero 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 zero. Um, and if you want to play play along with us, if you want to watch along with us, then press play in three, two, one, go. Cue burning buildings. I mean, if they want to play along with us as well, they can. But I'm, I'm worried that your definition of play along might be different to mine. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's leave that one alone. Let's leave that one to the uh, to to the injunction. <laughs> My, those buildings are know. burning. Uh, indeed, I'll let you know when uh, the first mention of Mango comes up in the yes. uh, subtitles. Huge fan of Mango. We are in Salem, Virginia. Wasn't that where the witch trials happened? Going by the name, I'd guess. And the talking so cat on Sabrina. <laughs> yes. That so would have been a thing around savage. this time. Yes, it would have. Oh, it's Steve Mongo, McMichael, and Pepe. What the hell have they got Pepe wearing? Is he wearing a hat in tribute to the Macho Man? He's st- the the dog is still not dressed as outrageously as Macho Man. No. Also, we've just had it mentioned that the, the world champion Randy Savage is here, will be here, but so will Hulk Hogan because, of course, when Poochie isn't in the room. Yeah, everybody should be asking. Not only that, but um. I believe there was they had they had to give Hogan a little out in the in the battle royal where he wasn't if I remember correctly he wasn't legally eliminated he actually got the giant over the giant pulled him under the ropes and the referees assumed it was a double elimination so Hogan was shafted because he can't be vulnerable at any time no if only there's VAR um Oh, yeah, well, they have they have been talking about the controversy. Oh, we've now we've now got an interview with Hogan and Sting. This is the infamous interview. This was at the pay per view before the match, and in his hand, I believe, is a Wrestling Observer newsletter. Oh, he's he's gone back to the red and yellow. The dark side of Hulk Hogan is over. So. After being really intriguing working as de facto heel against Sting in that match the week before, the Dungeon of Doom came down, all the babe faces had to unite, and he's saying right now he, he won't question Sting. He may question Sting when he sees that he's still friends with Luger. Ah, I don't know what your trip is with Lex Luger. 
He's willing to overlook so, it, apparently. He's with his bestest mates, the Macho Man and Sting, until, of course, Bash at the Beach next year. Yeah, they're, they're all very happy that he's back in red and yellow. We're not, though, are we, Dean? Because, you know, he was actually interested in black, whether it was being completely embarrassing with his weird promos with Zorro masks and homo, ho, oh, and hobos. That was an awful <laughs> mispronunciation. Apologies for that. <laughs> but yes, there was a legit one with ho, a hobo, just to be clear. Um, and then he was actually genuinely interested in that match against Sting. But now he's back to being bland for seven months. Yep. And uh, here's a novelty. We've got the WCW World Television Championship being defended on television. In a rematch from the pay-per-view. Just just to stop it from being completely legitimate as a TV title. So that was the, that was the match and, last uh, night, or the previous night on his show, not actually yes. last night, where he won the services of the Diamond Doll. Indeed. And again, that's something you could probably never get away with these days. No, I mean... The rest of winning the services of a woman. I'm sincerely hoping that they've been clear that it's the managerial services. Although you'll remember that uh, Johnny Bibad actually left within six months because I believe they wanted to... Apparently they went to take the storyline further and he was vehemently against it. Ah, I see. But then Eric Bischoff denies that. But then Eric Bischoff talks out of his fucking ass. And look, who who Eric can Bischoff you believe? Denies everything. This yeah. is wrestling, baby. Carney, 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 snore. If there was ever an industry that really needed truth serum, it's this one. It's wrestling and politics. Yes, we should probably do politics first, actually, shouldn't we? I shouldn't be selfish. <laughs> yeah. Use up all the serum on a bunch of fucking wrestlers. Yes. As uh, as a song by the band Flowbots once said, pro politicians and professional wrestlers want you to believe them. A song lyric actually said that. Yep. I'm impressed. So DDP still got his motorcycle rev generic music here. And we haven't seen him on Nitro in a while. We haven't, no. He's carrying a bunch of flowers and he he looks uh, very tired and very distracted here. Yeah, and as Bobby Heenan said, no cigar, no sunglasses. Almost apologetic, which you know what that means for a wrestling bad guy. He wants to make nice with Kim. it's it's the sort of thing that you don't want to surprise you the the ensuing culture in wrestling a few years after 95 of swerves thanks for that bro by the way uh, it took away from the fact that sometimes the predictable is much better and when you know he's going to lamp him you get that feeling of suspense in you and a little smirk on your face. And yes, when it happens, I, you can't help but laugh. 
Yeah, I want to see the apparently repentant heel twat someone in the face. I want to see the birthday cake ending up all over someone's face. They these are the rules of wrestling. Yes. I, I want to just hit what looked like a tilt a world tombstone. I'm not sure if it was meant to be like that, but it, that's what happened anyway. It it was like he, he got him up for the tilt world, had him in tombstone position, and this actually happened at the progress show. Uh someone I can't remember who from a tombstone position hit a slam. And who in their right mind would do that? You get someone in that compromised position, you drop them on their noggin. Yes. Now, um, ah, we've just had a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, which I think was the move that was meant to happen in the first place. Now, while all this has been going on, Kimberly has found, or the Diamond Doll, as we should call it at this point, has found a chain hidden inside the bouquet of flowers that DDP gave to her. And she is now holding this chain, whether, um, whether DDP realizes she's found it or not yet, I don't know. And I'm going to put this out there. She's actually doing a really good job of conveying the conflict. Uh, mm. Yeah, let's not skip over the fact that she she was always a very good valet. Oh, DDP's now seen... Oh, she's thrown the chain between DDP's legs. Johnny B. Bad's got it, and he's now decked DDP. And one, two, three, and just like that, in a couple of minutes, DDP has been pinned and Johnny B. Bad retains the TV title. We've had a TV title match on TV that wasn't a 10-minute time limit. And I want to give it five stars for that alone. But (laughs) my praise for this match would be that if you look beyond the actual wrestling, it was very entertaining. It, it, It was short, it was sweet, there was no... Uh, stopping, there was no wrestling, it was a sprint can't beat a good TV sprint and there was storyline development Johnny B. Bad's not happy about winning and Diamond Dolls just said you won Johnny, that's the point be happy that you've won there's a lot of shades of grey on it we think Sting Luger and now this situation shades of grey in 90 storytelling on wrestling and this was before Vince Russo That's a really good we head had, scissors. Uh, had, yeah, I just realised we had that sort of tilt a whirl spin round three times in that match. Well, that was one the thing. Scissors, one tombstone and one uh, side slam. That's why I like the head scissors actually just before the chain spot was because it was like a went to the well once too often situation. Mm. It, it was good. For a short match, it was good. I thought I liked it. Told the story. Forward, as you said, it progressed the story. And as we say, for for 45-minute bursts of 90s wrestling TV, if we judge by those standards, that's kind of what we're after. Yeah. Ah, uh, we're back to talking about Hulk Hogan. He's taking on the newest member of the Dungeon of Doom, Hugh Morris, in a guess-who's-doing-the-job match. Um... Um, Neil Morrissey. That's the one. Knew it. Don't change that channel. Yes, we have. We've got. Um, we are up against the taped Monday Night Raw over on the other side. 
Oh, it's Mean Gene. Who's Mean Gene got with him? Yeah, and they are not long removed from Survivor Series on the other side, aren't they? That's right. They're two weeks. Two weeks gone. Mm. Well, one week gone. Yeah. So we're getting another and segment got... with Hart and Sullivan. Yeah, this is basically a replica of what happened last week when we saw these two. Our favourite cross-dressing uh, lifeguard is not happy with Jimmy Hart. No. Oh, is this the... Uh, this is the footage from World War Three. So what was this about? This is Luger's match, was it? Yeah. So they're wrestling earlier in the night. Sting has oh. talked Luger into letting go of the hold after the bell. And Sullivan is chewing heart out for allowing that to happen. Because, because yeah, if that wasn't for that, Savage wouldn't be in the Battle Royal. He wouldn't be world champion. Hmm. Heart standing Jimmy up Hart for himself. Saying, Have I ever lied to you in my life after what we've been talking about with <laughs> wrestlers and politicians? Hart strikes me as, uh, despite playing a very slimy on-screen persona, I don't think many people have come out and said bad things about Jimmy Hart in real life, have they? No, I mean, I um, I had the pleasure of working with him at British Uprising 3, and he was a lovely bloke. Very switched on, very smart, but very nice, yeah. And, and, and yeah, similarly, no one, you know, he did whatever we wanted him to do, and no one had a bad word to say about him, so yeah. I thought that was an interesting punctuation to their little tete-a-tete. Jimmy Hart pointed out that Luger and Sting are as close as the two of them, Hart and Sullivan, and said that they have to, he told Sullivan, they have to work around their friendship. Yeah, it's some, as you say, this is the, that storyline developing. You can't say they're not drawing you into the, the goings-on in the same way an actual TV show would. Kudos for trying. Mm. So um, we now have a Japanese ladies tag team match. We've got Cutie Suzuki and Mayami Ozaki. Ironically enough, over on the other channel, we um, we also have a Japanese women's tag team match. Probably around about the same time. We have Aja Kong and Tomoko Watanabe against Alundra Blaze and Kyoko Inui over on, um, over on uh, Monday Night Raw. What are the odds of two Japanese women's tag matches happening at the same time, eh? And given what you said about the taped live situation, we know who is aping who. Plus, when you consider the fact that um, with the Blaze versus whoever situation, at least, (laughs) as bad as it went for WWE, and we'll see more of that in a couple of watch-alongs from now, um at least they had a story and some sort of attempt at a narrative. Whereas from what I believe, what I can recall, this is completely out of the blue. No rhyme, no reason. At least you've got clear, from what I can see, you've got two two good-looking, smiling, shiny jacket baby faces, and now you've got two menacing-looking women managed by Sonny Ono. So yes. at, at least One the battle lines are course. clear. 
Yes, and of course, one of whom, of course, Bill Nakano, is a former WWF Women's Champion. Ah, yeah, yeah, of course. It really, I was right earlier when I said it really was a revolving door uh, for Alundra Blaze and whoever she was wrestling. Mm. At one point, it was Bertha Faye, wasn't it? Bertha Faye, yes, it was Ronda Singh or yeah, Mon- Monster Ripper in Japan. I think, I think she, I think she did do some matches in WCW as Ronda Singh. I'm pretty sure. No, you're right, she did. Did she do an intergender thing with Robert Parker? Maybe. Several women uh, have. Medu- Medusa did. No, definitely. definitely. Sherry that, yeah. did as well. It feels like every, every woman they signed, it was like in the contract, you have to do a battle of the sexes with Rob Parker. Yeah. Pretending that he doesn't know how to wrestle, as we've seen him do. But as we always say, he was one of the best at oh, doing that. he was fantastic. That. Only only Ali in modern times, I think, has done as good a job of pretending to be a non-wrestler. This was obviously very early in her impact run. I love the the hair on Bulldog Car, though. Yeah. Heenan thinks she's rather attractive. In a kind of oriental way. Oh, I didn't catch that part. I'm glad you did. Oh, yes. Again, to count, again, it was a different time, Liam. It was a different time. After my slip of the tongue earlier, Dean, I'm pretty glad I wasn't (laughs) the one who who quoted that. People would think I was actually saying it. Well, this is all action. This is fast-paced, and they're... Mm trying to get the crowd into it but oh beautiful German suplex absolutely wonderful bridge the thing is I get the feeling that if you want uh, a crowd to react to four Japanese women coming in cold Salem Virginia probably isn't the place to go but Bornacano's up on the top rope this is getting a reaction she went for a leg drop but there's no one home they they have coerced the f- crowd into this kicking and screaming just by doing Ooh. a shit bunch of moves. And we have seen that method work for the male mid-carders yep. on previous episodes. So both the baby faces are up top. Double, double, oh, double man. stomp onto Bill Nakano. Kicks out at two. Three years and before... Uh, Nova and Chetty did a big thing about coming off the same turnbuckle. You've got the the Joshi girls on doing it on Nitro. Yeah, and um, you've got they've they've acknowledged that Akira Hakuto is uh, the wife of Kensuke Sasaki. I'm sure they got didn't they get married like a a week or a month or something ridiculous after meeting, and they're still together to this day. Um, I'm sure they got married after lit just the most ridiculously short engagement as such, or courtship as my old courtship. Love it. I'd have to take your word for that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Uh, Don't Google it now. Up. I can't no, take my I, eyes off this. I, I can't. I. Uh... This, this is just. A mesmerising... Oh. 
they got married after Sasaki proposed to her on their first date. Oh wow! That, yeah, that, that's there's a man who reacts quickly, and they're still together. That was in '95, so and they're still together. In fact, this is they got married about a month before this match. She she must have been amazing at asking him what he does in his spare time. Because that is what people do on their first date. You ask about someone's hobbies and interests and goals in life. Yeah. Apparently, no one asks those questions better than her. What do you do in your spare time? I wrestle. Will oh, you yeah. marry me? Go on then. <laughs> yeah, there is there there is absolutely. No rhyme or reason to this. It's not an, a particularly absorbing match in, in a storytelling way. But they have just hit a big move every 10 seconds. Yeah. This is like... just had a, a somersault sent on that missed and Hakuto crashed into Bull Nakano. This is to wrestling. This is to wrestling what Tim Vine is to comedy. <laughs> just a relentless yes. barrage. And if you don't like the first move, you might like the second one. Yeah. I I think I think Nakano might legit be hurt as well, actually. Double drop kick from Hakuto. Yeah, she's holding her knee. I think she's she might be legit hurt. I don't know. I vow she's selling tremendously well. Oh great buster. Shane Douglas wishes he could hit a fisherman buster like that. Yeah. And uh of course the heels win given the name value of the two of them. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And yeah, I think Nakano's legit hurt the way she's getting herself up. From following that somersault plancher that went smack into her. But despite the politics of why they've been called up for this Nitro out of the blue, and I'm sure our, our suspicions are correct, um, yeah, they they've just absolutely gone nuts on us here well that is a perfect lesson in how to win over a cold crowd that don't know you two matches two sprints two completely different sprints but if you think about the aim of the TV show here uh, you don't want people to change the channel to the other guys they've they've succeeded I yeah I would not have thought about switching channels during either of those matches. Well, the Japanese invasion continues. And, of course, this would be leading up to Starcade 95, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's good that you point out, Dean, because otherwise it just sounds really racist. But they are trying to portray it like the Japanese contingent are going to issue a challenge. I don't think they've actually mention that on the air yet so I don't think it's official but yes Starcade would be a an international yes. competition theme can I just point out that the Japanese invasion continues was the words of the commentators not my words I've kind just of set that bar now haven't I yeah otherwise I'm just going to come across as a a kind of some massive racist stuck in the 90s I just hope none of the other wrestlers yet to come out on this telecast uh, come from Hoboken. 
because I don't want to screw that one up as well. Here comes the laughing man, Bill Mor Bill Morris, Hugh Morris, Bill Demott, of course. Isn't it? Yes. yes. And uh, I remember him on the Independence's Crash the Terminator. He was fantastic, man. Yes. Didn't he build up quite the reputation in Japan? This is one of those things I learned yeah, purely from indeed. Power Slam. He went out and had those batshit insane uh, walk-around street fights where the, yeah, everyone just done. wanders around the arena beating the tar out of each other. Yeah, but they went down uh, we, so well with the tape traders, didn't they? You were one of them. Yeah. Me being one of them, yeah. Res Wrestling's International New Generation, I think it stood for. And then he went to ECW, who's on one of the early 93 ECW shows. And we've got Hogan back in his uh, red and yellow, of course. Well, I'm saying he's he's obviously getting a pop. It's, it's nothing special for oh wow the colours are back, rendering that completely meaningless. He's getting your he standard good Hogan reaction. Yes, and he, he also swatted the cameraman out of the way. Because why not? He's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Scott Steiner was worse, obviously. I mean, I know when you and I started this project in chronological order, Dean, we we we're already counting the weeks to when we get to the NWO part of it, but seeing Hogan tease it last week in a very effective manner, now I'm just really counting the weeks down. We will get there, eventually. Yeah, because he has now gone straight back to Babyface 101 Hogan, hasn't he? And he's he's going to make us sick in our mouths a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. along the way until he turns Hollywood. We've already covered on a previous podcast, we covered Uncensored 96. He's not grand the moustache back yet either. No, but he didn't keep the Hitler's moustache that Sullivan kept him with. Disappointingly. Yeah, I mean, we could have had something with Hulk Hitler versus cross-dressing Sullivan. They left money on the table, Dean. Yes. Oh, right to the eyes. Is this going to be uh, a little bit of selling for Hogan? I'm let's just... face it, we know we we know the Macho Man formula. Is Hogan going to follow the same formula? It's a little bit similar. I think Savage's thing is he is known for just giving his opponent everything. But yeah, H H Hogan hulking up is obviously not far off of that. I think we oh, might even be even... going home already. Yeah, he's not even bothering to hulk up. Oh, it wasn't just, the boot, uh, it was the axe bomber. A... Yeah, let him miss a leg drop. And now he's biting him. Ever the sportsman. Just turn yeah. hill already. And I'm saying this despite knowing exactly when he turns heel in the timeline. Just fucking do it early. Go in the time machine and turn heel early and spare but, us this crap. But then when he did turn heel, he was kind of like comedy chicken shit heel rather than complete bastard heel. But at least he wasn't working babyface as a heel. <laughs> this is true. Oh, nice. It's like I would love to... I'd love to see John Cena turn heel. It will never happen. But And the reason I would love to see him turn heel is because I know he would be absolutely fantastic at it. Yeah, well, we so made that happen. comparison last time out, didn't we? The closest we got from it was when he played 
subtle by default heel at One Night Stand 2006. And Hogan, a decade before Cena did that, Hogan had a similar vibe. He was he was milking the the hill situation without actually becoming a villainous person. And that was part of the interest in it. Hugh Morris hit a, a, a move by way where he vaulted up to the second rope with no hands and twisted into a clothesline. Now he's, he's hit the moonsault where, you know, he, he Hugh oh, Morris now, always now misses it. Yeah, here we go. Yes. Well, he, he hit the moonsault, but he kind of overshot it and headbutted Hogan in the ribs, and Hogan then started clutching his face. That is... As uh, if he'd been to uh, the Romario school of selling. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is actually the no laughing matter, because every time he's ever hit it, all the way through to the end of WCW, he misses it by a mile. So I think that is actually a move. But hulking up, yeah. he's actually justifying this in, in this instance, because, yeah, who would have been hurt by that? Big boot. Yeah. Big leg. Guess what happens here, Dean? He doesn't even bother hooking the leg or covering him properly, but no. he wins the match. And he does and that pin, doesn't three... he? Go on. So I was just going to say, we've had three very brief, but very different matches. Yes. And I would classify that one as short, but inoffensive. Because it yeah, literally it's... had to be short to not be offensive. Yes. But it basically, you know, it's... It's the old Brian Dixon buffet analogy. We've got, you know, some each match has been different and it's something for everyone. And because of the, the brevity of these matches, I wouldn't even call it a buffet, I'd call it mixed hors d'oeuvres. Tapas. Tapas, yeah, I, I like mixed hors d'oeuvres, I like tapas. I like Kellogg's variety boxes. I'm all for this telecast so far. We are we are just running through it. When a TV shows like this, you find you you know you can say it's not great. That'd be arguable, but you can't say it's bad. Mm. Still advertising uh, savage. savage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Sting and Luger, Pillman and Anderson. Yeah, over on the other side, the main event was The Undertaker versus Sir Moe. Whereas we've got Lex Luger and Sting against Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. I know which one I'd be watching. Sir Moe, so underappreciated. <laughs> wow. Never a draw. For some strange reason. This is what Vince McMahon was always capable of unless someone was putting pressure on him. And obviously, we're still six months away from WCW really putting pressure on him. Here we go. It's time for Savage. He's the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion of the World, apparently, according to Mean Gene. I love those foam hats the fans are wearing. When I say love, I mean they're terrible. Yes. What's Savage wearing today? Oh, it's back to the Carbuncles one. Do you remember that one from a few weeks ago? Oh, yes. He's at the stage where he's now recycling his old putrid outfits. But the big gold belt does look good on him. Oh, yeah. 
He's ecstatic. This is his first reign with this particular belt as well. He's the only world heavyweight champion, apparently. Shots fired. <laughs> he He's doing his standard uh, pick-a-mix of 80s cliches promo. But with that charisma and that voice, people just ate it up. Myself included. Here's the voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're back to talking about Poochie. Oh, oh and here, here comes Poochie. Hogan. Brother friend. Let me tell you something, brother friend. Hogan's here to emphasise oh, that Macho Man is only champion because he got screwed. Because that yeah. wasn't made obvious enough. Oh, bit of tension here because Hogan's name is still on the plaque on the belt. Which is more typical WCW production than anything else. Well, yeah, the belt's been fucking vacant for months, for weeks. Mm. Oh, here we go. This is what we got. we're seeing now, what happened with uh, Hogan's elimination. Luger and Sting trying to eliminate the Giant. Savage and Hogan trying to eliminate one-man gang. Hogan's put oh. all three out because of fucking yes. course. And the oh, and the, uh, the... Oh, man, the tape broke. Oh, man, the tape broke. How are they possibly going to have replays of the pay-per-view if the tape's broken? Oh, and here comes a giant. Oh, oh choke slammed Savage on the floor. Tell you what, the, the giant was such a badass early on. I'm disappointed he hasn't dressed up as an old woman. Yeah. They probably should have just kept the belt on the giant at this point. He was just awesome. Mm. Oh, here comes Sting. So we saw that, yeah, Hogan had eliminated Giant and Sting and Luger all at the same time. Mm. But we didn't see what happened to Hogan. Hogan's now got a chair. He's going to smack... Smacks Giant in the back just as he's about to choke choke lift uh, Sting. Still can't get him down. Four. Yeah, the fourth chair shot gets him over the top rope. And I think he yeah he just elbowed the ref. I think that's Mark Curtis. If it was Nick Patrick, he'd still be doing backflips. Absolutely. So Hogan is just chasing Giant around the place, smacking him in the back with a chair. Oh, and now the the weakest chair shots to the head, which with hindsight is probably a good thing. Savage is still down. Sting's just walking around, doing not much. 
Well, we got a scene here. The champion's down. Hogan's knackered the referee up. Giant's been dispatched with chair shots. And Sting called Hogan off, and I think Mongo took exception to it, but it's obvious that he called him off when they got to where Savage lay prone on the concrete, presumably because the priority was checking on Savage. Very layered, I like it. And it's also worth noting, on that footage we saw World War Three, that was Sting and Luger teaming up to try and get the Giant out. And obviously, Luger yes. spent weeks teaming with the Giant to cripple Savage. So it's all all very intriguing. Luger's character since returning has been brilliant. But yeah, every man for himself in the Battle Royal. His his motivations are very complicated and yet very pragmatic at the same time. Just self-serving at every every moment, at every turn, he decides what is best for him at any given moment. Absolutely loved it. Now Bischoff is pretending he's that Sting did something CD. I mean, it was obvious that he was calling Hogan off and drawing attention to Savage. But of course, it was only Sting that came out and not Luger. Yeah. Here we go. Anson and Pillman come out to the horseman music that I absolutely love. I preferred this version, I think, because there was a more bespoke horseman theme with the actual horse noises at the beginning, I think in 1999. But this one is... Yeah, this one is like Arn Anderson's horseman theme, isn't it? Yeah. Dave Penzer's favourite entrance music now, Man Called Sting. For, th- for those who weren't aware, he, he despised it. Absolutely hated it. And if you ask him on Twitter, he will happily engage you in exactly why, in his mind, it is the worst theme song ever. I still maintain, if you give that theme to Jim Johnston and let him edit the shit out of it, it's, it's all right. You basically get rid of the verses. Because it was a catchy <laughs> riff. There's no, oh, there's Luger. Bit of a late arrival. They've come out separately and Luger actually has no music. Which is a shame because I thought we'd be hearing... Um... Oh, there it is. It, his music has come on late, but... He does indeed have his awesome mid nineties theme. The name escapes me. Yeah. But um, if um, if uh, you you want to trawl back over our archives, episode number twenty three is where uh, Liam interviews David Penzer, the ring announcer. And it was an awesome interview. Dave was awesome. He told us so many funny stories, some great insight, not just into his time covering Nitro. He did every episode as the ring announcer, but also a little insight into what would have happened if WCW did survive. He would have been on the creative team, he says. Mm. Check that out, some great insight. Arn Anson hit a spinebuster 30 seconds into the match, and Sting needed Luger to make the save on that one. Yeah. 
And I think uh, I think this what well, this match has started at a hundred miles now, hasn't it? Mm. There's not there's not been a single rest hold. Even the Hogan match did not have a drop in pace. Mm. This is how I, I'll take my wrestling TV like this, regardless of the the roster or the exact tone of the the company or the storylines. Or, or, or what style of wrestling they like to do. This is how I'll take my wrestling TV. Thank you very much. Mm. And I, I get the feeling that the action in the ring here will be kicking the ass out of WWF Monday Night Raw. Yeah, well... I mean, I know we're biased because, you know, this project came out of our mutual love for all things WCW, but this has been a this has been a great show. I thought you were going to say our mutual bias against Sir Mo. Then we do seem to be against Sir Mo. It wasn't Sir Mo's fault. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here you go. Luger comes in, tagged in by Sting. Rather into these guys. Big big pop for a tag. Mm. Show's been good so far, but this is this is a star studded main event. This is yeah, this is a proper main event. Moments after having like Sting, Hogan, Savage, Giant run around as well. It's built mm. it's built up nicely. This has been a fantastic hour so far. And some selling as well. It was always fantastic. Oh, we did. We we covered a pay-per-view match between Luger and Anson, didn't we? Was that Havoc '96? I want to say with, we talk about Quackmas earlier. That was, that was the first Quackmas so. covering Havoc '96, and yeah, mm. he was just a great guy to be in there with Luger. Things not wasting any time looking for the death lock. Yeah, Luger stopping. Oh, Luger, Luger <laughs> threw Pillman <laughs> off the top rope, but pushed him straight into Sting to break the hold. <laughs> As the commentators speculate, and Liam laughs his bollocks off. Oh, I'm eating this up with a spoon. Oh, I'm so glad we're at this stage of of WCW now with Sting and Luger every week. I, I may put a ban on all other types of episode. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sure we'll get the chance. We're we're gonna try and amp up our content a little bit with my laptop behaving. So hopefully we'll get some great guests on, some some really intriguing specials, and we will eat up Sting Luger with a spoon at the same time. What would be good is to uh, to do a pay per view. Maybe you know we could cover Starcade '95 or something with someone that, that this links in the in the timeline. I, mm. I, I have to find someone if we can if we can, one. yeah if we can fit it all together. Who knows? I have faith in us. Well, I have faith in you, and I'm sure I can ride your coattails. <laughs> St- oh, I thought it was gonna be a second fire. spine buster. Babyface in peril. Yeah, Sting, Sting had the Coca-Cola with full sugar before this match. He is feeling it. He's just he's just rapid on the ropes. He's 
full of offense. He's, he's selling really well. Anderson pulling Sting away from his corner, so Luger can't tag him. Luger looking very frustrated. There is just something in the water in Salem tonight. Maybe that was the problem with the place. I was going to say, it's not the first time someone said that about Salem, I'm sure. Well, I said there's something in the water, not someone in the water. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All four men are in the ring. Only two of them are on, on a vertical base. Big clothesline from Luger to Anderson in the corner. Oh, and Sting push. gets a roll up out of nowhere and Flair's just running now. That, that was a weird finish. Just a yeah, roll up just out, out of, out of the nowhere, blue. Yeah. And and Flair doing the running during the finish, like he started running out before the pin, has completely taken everyone's eyes off the actual finish. But now we've got a horseman beat down three on two. Because after Yay, Sting got... <laughs> Nick Patrick just got smacked in the face. And, and you know that was Nick Patrick because well of the way he sold it. Dying swung rings rings a bell. Hogan's running him. Pillman just stood there waiting for Hogan. Please. Yeah, here we go. Flair's going to chop him. <laughs> Hogan goes slow. I, I should be annoyed by that, but I'm a sucker for Flair just hitting these chops to no effect and then losing his shit. It's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, the horses have dragged Flair out. Oh, <laughs> bad landing. Pillman mugging away for all he's worth. Oh, here we go. Hogan wants to oh, hit Luger. Yeah. Heenan just called Sting an arbitrator. <laughs> He's been called worse. Yeah. So, yeah, Sting's keeping the peace. Luger's just <laughs> buggering off. The <laughs> Mongo just said that uh, he's seen enough side people on the side of the dungeon of the doom. God bless you, Mongo. Come on, Mango, get the name right. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sting and Hogan still arguing. I kind of wish I'd just fight again because I enjoyed that last week, but we can't complain. This has been a fun hour. It's been, it's just been non-stop, hasn't it? There you go, Hogan and Sting embrace. If this was Vince Russo, one of them would have attacked the other by now. And yet, if Hogan had done exactly that, it would have been amazing. Because obviously, yeah. he's, he's ripe. He's due to turn heel. We'd have to wait until the following July. But yeah, we were ready. 
Medical update on Savage. Another cliffhanger. Uh, and surely he has to defend it within, what, 30 days or whatever. Mm. I'm sure that will come into play in the coming. We will have another three episodes, presumably, before Starcade. One of those will be fun when a uh, certain bottle of aftershave shows up. <laughs> We're very close to that. Savage went through 59 of the top superstars, including uh, Buddy Lee Parker. Max Muscle, <laughs> Steve Armstrong. Now, next week, our main event looks very intriguing because surely this, well, this will continue because we've got Luger against Savage for the world title next week. Well, there you go. There's the mandate. And how will Savage be? Yeah. Luger with Jimmy Hart as well. So, um... Very interesting to see what happens there. Well, I think as we've, I think we've agreed that that was a very, very good episode of Monday Nitro. Number, I'm lucky for some number thirteen. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly which ones. It was a few weeks ago, but we had two in a row that weren't great. Otherwise, you know, eleven out of thirteen episodes have flown by. I've been, they've made me very happy to be doing this retrospect. Uh, and bring on the next ones because we know so. I'm sure there will be some hit and miss coming, but we know there's a lot of things coming up soon that will keep us very entertained. Indeed, there will be. Well, we will wrap it up there because we did uh, rabbit on a bit at the beginning. So uh, thank you for sticking with us. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're both bad. Thank you very much for sticking with us if you've listened all the way through to this. Thank you very much for downloading us. Thanks for your support. We're always very grateful. We never take it for granted. We will be back very soon with another Nitro watch along. We're just uh, trying to dot the dot the I's and cross the T's and a couple of guests as well so we'll keep you posted on that don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW or Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW on behalf of Liam Happ this is the Twisted Genius saying thank you for downloading us and we'll see you ringside